to yourself I will rise Shagata Palayados in your name Kamalesha Nane Adonai hey, it doesn't matter what I face you reign on come on say to yourself I will rise In my family, I will rise. In academies, I will rise. 
It doesn't matter what is turned me down. Hey, I will rise. I will rise. I will rise. I will rise. Lift up your voice. In your name. forward I'm rising ahead I'm lifting my head from the shame from the pain because you reign on earth I'm rising because you're reigning I will rise ahead I'm taking that step forward oh I don't know you reign on earth I will rise, I will rise. Speak to him in other tongues. Shaka pata prata shalagabosh. Shata pala grossa tandre pelegadagosh. By your word, I will rise. Shata baya balagadabosh. Irataka balagaye. Irataka lagaye. Irataka yagaye. Irataka yagadele. Himalabane yagale. Ragade. Himalade. Ishagade. for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your leading. Father, your word says we two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. Father, we know the truth you are here. And I'm meant to understand that where there is light, there can never be darkness. Father, as such, I decree and I declare and I believe that every iota of darkness, I bind them now and cast them to the lake that they can never return. The lake that will burn them and cast your people free. Father of a tree we have seen and come short of the glory, we pray for redemption. Please, Lord, have mercy upon us as individuals, have mercy upon us as a unit, have mercy upon us as family, have mercy upon us as a church, have mercy upon us as body, oh Lord, please, Lord. According to your word, Lord, let there be mercy in the place of wrath for us. Father of a tree, you said when you send your word, you heal them. The children cried and cried unto you, and you sent the word and healed them. Father, the word is coming forth. Father, let there be healing in the house. I decrease that you alone might increase. I speak nothing but your word. Let the word go out and let there be light unto your people. And let the people be healed. Let the glory of the name alone be raised higher and higher. For these we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, can you sit on top of your enemies? Put your hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus. I...
I want to thank God most sincerely for the opportunity to speak the word to the people of God. It is one that I don't take for granted. And most importantly, to speak the gospel to scholars. It is one I treasure. And may his name alone be praised in Jesus' name. He is the one that did it. And I also want to thank the mama of the house, God's servant. Please put your hands together for her. And everyone that has helped her in this ministry. It is not easy to serve the Lord. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So that walking is not easy. And she has saved and make sure that we are here today. This media, I like the way it was before. Receive healing in Jesus' name. So as I was saying, it's not easy. And she has saved and helped us to be like this. God will continually bless her in Jesus' name. I also want to thank all the units head and all the units for the opportunity to minister the word. I'm very grateful. God will bless you and give you more grace in Jesus' name. I've seen my friends in the house, people that we discuss together. God bless you and open more doors for you. I've seen my students. Please, God will bless you in Jesus' name. And all of us sitting down in the house of God, God bless you and open doors for you. Because you have led God to come to the house of God, God will like you and come to your house in Jesus' name. Amen. The chapel's theme this year says, okay, before I continue, I want to speak to us briefly, not briefly, but wonderfully on a topic I titled Excellence in What I Do. Excellence in What I Do. Praise God. Excellence in What I Do. The chapel's theme for the year is the year of total revival. As taken from the book of Psalm 92, 13 to 15. Please, can we go there together? Psalm 92, 13 to 15. And it says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I don't want to read the rest. Let's stay there. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What does it mean to be planted? For us to plant means we are cultivating. For if I want to cultivate anything, for example, I want to cultivate cassava or maize, that means I have made a choice. I have made a choice that I want to cultivate maize, and this maize will be better for me. And when I put this maize down, it will flourish and come out maize. The same thing is saying here that, oh, those that be planted in the house of the Lord, those that have made a choice for God, they shall flourish. And where do we live flourish? In the course of the Lord. If you plant that maize in your farm, it's going to flourish in that farm, within that square meter within that territory. It will not go to another territory. So it's invariably saying that if you choose God today, you will flourish. The territory of God is the whole world. So if you choose God, it is saying that you will flourish in the whole world. Praise God. Praise God. And it is of a truth that God does not want any of us to perish. God will never want any of us to perish. In Isaiah chapter 45 verse 19, Isaiah 45 verse 19, he says, I am not saying unto the house of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. The God has not told you, media, please help us. I think I like the way it was. Don't change it again. God has not said that you should seek him in vain. He's saying that when you come to the house of God like this and cry to him, he's believing that you will receive that which you ask. And again, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, my plans of you, of, for you are of good to give you an expected end. The expected end is a, an end of good things. He said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospered. That is invariably God is wishing that you will prosper. God is wishing that you flourish in his court, according to Psalm. God is wishing that every good thing will happen to you. But the unfortunate thing is that we will never flourish. All of us will never flourish. All of us will never excel. Why? Why? God is an orderly God. God is a God that has set precepts. For example, this hall is already arranged. If you want to run with speed, it is against the rule of the, 
of this arrangement for you to run according to the pew. You run by the road. The same thing happens with God. God has made every... God is not a God of magic. God does not perform magic. He has set things in place, write things in place, and says, oh, for you to achieve this, this is what you need to do. For example, God has said that he's given you a choice to choose. That, that is the Bible portion we read. That is in our Bible reading. It says, Deuteronomy 20, 30, verse 15 to 19. It says, God has said that he has given a place before you this day, good and evil. But he even came back to tell you, choose good that it might be well with you. God, one of the, I usually tell people that one of the things that I feel God did wrong in my own perception, is giving man choice. He would have created us and forced us to do things so that we prosper. But giving us choice, people, men, men, natural man will not choose good because the path of good is narrow. God created us and finished and when he created Adam, he put him in the garden and gave him the opportunity to choose anything. Choose the food you eat, choose the God you save, choose anything. And he is glorified by your choice. And with that choice, man have decided to do many things. So because of your choice, you will not excel. Invariably, I'm saying that uh, we are products of our choices. You are going to flourish because of your choice. So the next question that begs to mind, which I want to discuss in a few minutes, is what should I choose so that I will excel? What will I choose so that I will excel? How will I choose so that I will excel? What should I do so that I will flourish in the course of the Lord? What will I do so that I possess the whole earth? The, quest, the first thing, the first thing, I just want to give us four bullet points. The first thing that I should do so that I should flourish, I should excel is I should choose God. Praise God. Praise God. We are too cool in the house. Let's answer. Praise God. The first thing you should do so that you will excel, you flourish, is that you will choose God. I usually tell people that whether you like it or yes, it is either you hold God strongly or you hold Ammon, demon, strongly. Don't be in between. Because when it happens, you will not Praise God. When it happens, you will not survive. It is either you hold God strongly or you hold Mammon strongly. Don't be in the middle. When it happens, when the people remember, when the devil remember, you might not survive. What do I mean? If you look around and see anybody that has flourished or has excelled that you like, look into that person's life, that person's whole God. If that person does not hold God, that person holds mammon. It is, there is no in-between. If you say the president and you want to be like the president, look at him. That, pres that president holds God or that president holds the devil. But I come to you this day and proclaim that do not hold mammon. Why? Because when power jam power, the lesser must bow. The most supreme power is the power of God. So when you meet, when God and mammon meet, mammon must bow. So for you to excel always, know that this my own power is the supreme. I must choose God. Praise God. And because of them, I will just breathe a little bit. To choose God, it says... In Psalm 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, the Lord, Except the Lord builded the house, the builders build it, but in vain. Praise God. I like that place. Let's open to it. Let's open to it. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, Except the Lord builded the house, the labor in vain that built it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watched it it in vain. Except the Lord help you in Aksu, you will just come here and walk in vain. Except the Lord help you in your ministry, whatever ministry you are thinking of, you are going to just walk but in vain. Praise God. In Romans chapter 9 verse 16, it says, it is not of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. If you come to Aksu and want to live with first class, it is not of you that wanted it, but of God that shows you mercy. If God does not show you mercy, 
you will not have it. If you do not choose God, you will not have it. And one of the things, I know it is easy to choose God with the mouth. I come to the, preach a gospel, wonderful gospel like now, and you hear the gospel and come for author God, you have chosen God. Good. But there are three things which we do not choose God with. One of them is time. Have you chosen God with your time? There is Bible study and there is something else. Your friend has just called you to go out for one sit out. Very wonderful one that they will spend millions or sorry, thousands of naira upon you. Which one will you decide to go? There is Bible study in the church or there is a prayer meeting. And there is that time that you have maybe a, a lecture, sometime lectures. Which one will you decide to go? It is easy to choose God with the mouth, but what about your time? I am coming to proclaim to you today, for you to excel, you have to choose God with your time. If you sow time to God, God will sow time to you, and you know what that means. The next thing is choose God with your money. Choose God with your finances. If you say you choose God, not only with your mouth, choose God with the money you have. They say there is a word like this, like uh, Mama uh, talked about uh, to me, that the bikes are bad. And you, you're already sitting. You do not have to wait until they mention something like this. They say, mics are bad. Some of you have money. Hello, praise God. Some of you have money that you can this mic two times. But you will not do it. You prefer to use that money and go to Bushba. You prefer to use that money and give to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You prefer to use that money and do one frivolous thing or the other. You prefer to use that money and invest in your business. If God does not invest in that your business, that business cannot prosper. Have you chosen God with your money? The next thing is with your media. I see a lot of people write things on social media. Social media, we write a lot of things. How many of God have for once written about the Bible? Many of God have for once written about the Bible, have written about God. How many of God have how many of us have proclaimed God before on our media? Not only proclaiming God on your media, what are the things you feed your eyes on? What are the things you feed your soul on? Because whatever comes into you is what will edify you or whatever will make you. Some of us, we look at things we don't have any iota to look at. The media, the time, and your money. You should choose God with them. Praise God. The next one I want to talk about, how will I excel? The first one is choose God. The next thing is build altars. Praise God. I will dwell a little on these if I have time. Praise God build altars. Unfortunately or unfortunately, Satan understands spiritual principles more than the children of God. I come again. I say Satan, demons, and their agents understand spiritual principles more than the children of God. Positive. Whether you like it or yes, the spiritual controls the physical. Before anything manifests in the physical, it had already manifested in the spiritual. It is true. And where is that spiritual? That spiritual are altars. That's if you watch, if the devil wants to cast things into you, into the life, or into the kingdom of, or into the world, the first thing they do, they go to their altar and incantate. They have an altar. But the children of God just feel they can live life without anything, without altars. Praise God. What really is an altar? Altars are places where spiritual declarations and transactions are made. What is an altar? An altar is a place where spiritual declarations and transactions are made. Come again. Altars are places where spiritual declarations and transactions are made. You can also say there are places for communication, influence and exchange. Places for communication, influence and exchange. Praise God. Praise God. Open to numbers. Please, the mics are wonderful. Numbers 23 verse 1 and 2. 
If you are there before me, you can help us. Numbers 23, 1 and 2. Okay, it's on the board. Sorry, projector. And it says, And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ramp. This, if you understand the Bible, this was when Balak told Balaam to come and cause the children of Israel. And before he calls the children of Israel, he says, before I can do this, build for me seven altars. What was that altars for? So that can stand there and decree. So that he can stand there and proclaim. So that he can stand there and make an influence. So that he can stand there and exchange. Praise God. Example of an altar is this one I'm standing on. These are places where I stand and exchange. These are places where I stand and make spiritual declarations. Balaam, before he even calls the children of Israel, told Balak, build for me altars, let me sacrifice. This is somebody that understood spirituality. Praise God. Even if you want to check the Bible, Abraham, Abraham in Genesis 12. Let's go there to Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Sorry, Genesis 12, verse, because of time, let's go to verse 8. Sorry, let's start with 7. And Abraham passed. 6, please, 6, 6. Genesis 12, verse 6. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem and unto the plain of Moreh and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Let's go to verse 8 to 13. Verse 8. It says, And he removed from thence and unto a, mount, a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the ways and having high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Let's go again to verse 14 and 8 to 18. Verse 14, verse 14. 12, sorry, 13, 14. 13, verse 14. 13, verse 14. And it says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after the Lord was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes, look from the place where thou, thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. And for all the land which thou seest, through thee will I give it unto thy seed forever. And I will make a seed as, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall the seed of thy seed be num- be all, also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mame, which is Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Let's go to. Genesis 22, verse 19 to 14. Sorry, 22. Genesis 22, 19, I think so. Genesis 22, verse 19. And Abraham returned unto unto his young men and, unto, and rose together to Bathsheba and Ab- Abraham dwelt at Bathsheba and it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham behold Melchah thy son had born children unto thy brother Nahor no that is not what I wanted please but 
I think it's still in 22. When Abraham built an altar to sacrifice Isaac. Praise God. Praise God. Because of time, I might not really see, but it's in Genesis 22. If you go to your house, you can read it. But let's move forward. It, Abraham, with all his closeness to God, Abraham, with all his closeness to God, if you look through the Bible, built four altars to the Lord. The first one in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. I call it an altar of praise. The first time that the Lord said, oh, this is your land, this is where you possess. He said, he built an altar there to worship God. The next one, he went again and built an altar and prayed to God. He built an altar of prayer. The next one, he went again and built an altar of peace. That is when Lord, him and Lord, his nephew had problems. They were to separate. And after they separated, God spoke to him. And he built another altar there. And then again, the most important, he built an altar to sacrifice Isaac. And I've come to realize, please listen. I have, if you have not heard anything, just listen to this phrase. I have come to realize until the sacrifice goes to the altar. When you put a thing on, onto the altar, that thing becomes sacred. Until Isaac went onto the altar. That is when Isaac became sacred. That is why me and you can be sanctified. That is why me and you, God can look at us and say, oh, this is the holy of holies. How do I know this? Let's go to Gen- Numbers, sorry, Matthew 23 verse 16. Numbers 23 verse 16. I said, no, sorry, Matthew 23. Please, I'm sorry. Matthew 23. Matthew 23 verse 16. Matthew 23 verse 16. It says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the, by the temple, it is, it is nothing. But whoever shall swear by the God of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools are blind, and whether is greater, and whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctify the gold, and whoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, and whoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar than sanctifieth the gift. God is saying that when you bring the gift to the altar, that is when that gift is sanctified. When you take your problems to an altar, that is when that problem is sanctified. When you take your academics and place it upon an altar, that is when that academics is sanctified and God takes it. When you take your finances and put it upon an altar, that is when your finances become sanctified and God does the rest. When you take your life and put it on an altar, that is when your life becomes sanctified and God does the rest. One of the good things in Christendom that they have forced us to do it, even me I was forced, is when when you start walking, you take your first fruit or your first seed and put it on an altar and say, Father, I've given you this one. And from there, God takes that walk. Praise God. How many of us have built altars? Noah built an altar to the Lord. When he came out from the ship, from the ship, he built an altar and God suffered a very wonderful smell and said, never again will I destroy the aid with water. Jacob, when he was moving, after he separated from his brother Esau, built an altar. He came back and sacrificed on the altar. How many of us have built altars? You are a Christian, but the only altar you depend on is the one in your church. If you have a problem, witches are always devouring you. They are coming into your house. Go back to that your house at the four corner of your house. Build four altars of fire. Watch out what will happen. And again, in a place of altar, there are three things that must happen in a place of altar. I am saying that for you to excel, you have to build an altar. For you to excel in, in your academics, just build an altar 
and academics. You know how to build altars. In those days, they used to build with stones. These days, we don't need stones again because Jesus is that stone. Those days, they used to build and sacrifice. These days, you don't need to sacrifice because Jesus is that sacrifice. You just need to stand, build, and declare the word. If you have an anointing or a poor, but there is some things you must do. Praise God. Three things happens in the place of altar. One is sacrifices are made. When you build an altar, there must be sacrifice. All altars function by sacrifice. All altars functioned by sacrifice. So when you build an altar, sacrifices must be made. For example, if this is your altar, you must sacrifice for this altar. Example of the sacrifice, you, must, you can sacrifice your money. You can sacrifice your time. You can sacrifice pleasure. Sacrifice things. Just what your sacrifice means? To let go something that is important to you for something else. When you let go something that is more important for you for something else, you have sacrificed. So for example, in, if you build altars of fire in your house, one of the ways you can sacrifice is every morning you woke up and worship. Just worship God. That, sacri- that place you have sacrificed for it. Any temple or any altar must live or lives by sacrifice. So if you build an altar, you must sacrifice. You don't need only one altar in your life. Praise God. People that succeed, look at their life. They sacrifice. Sorry, they build altars a lot. Some people when they, some of them do it without knowing it. When they are starting to build children, they come and, sacri- and build altars for their children. Some of them, how do they build? They come to church and sow a seed that is beyond them and say, Father Lord, this is for my seed. As far as, as he lives, I will continually sow unto you. He has built an altar. And every time he comes back to that place and sow again, every year they go back and renew. That is sacrifice. Every time they go back and renew. You have come to Axel and you are just roaming like that. No sacrifice. Sorry, no altar. Any altar is the thing that speaks into your life. It is the place that makes this declaration into your life. It is the thing that drives you. For example, this one of my pastor gave us illustrations, gave us analogy sometime. He said that there is this man that contested election. And he was, he was an amok man, those people. He, he lost the election. On the day of this, like this uh, tribunal or whatever they do, he, everything was glaring that the judgment will be passed, that he will lose. So he was afraid. But he went to his amok people and said, Ah, I am going to lose this election. What will happen? They say, okay, you will never lose this election. All of us, they arrange all of them and they assembled in the night. When men sleep, the devil came to suit us. That is why if you love sleep, you are not going to prosper. Don't sleep too much. As a Christian, you should wake up in the night and sow an altar. There is an altar I will talk about. I don't have time. Altar of prayer. If you don't have an altar of prayer, it is bad. What do I mean by altar of prayer? They say there should be a place in your house that each time you wake up in the morning, you just kneel down there and pray to God. Look at your life. When you go to that place and make a request, look at what happens. God answers by fire because that place is sacred. How do you renew the sacrifice? You go there every morning to sacrifice. You go there every morning to read the Bible. You go every morning to say, Father, I bless you. I thank you. That is your altar. Praise God. As I talked about this election, they gathered in the night in their own altar. I don't know how their altar looks. They gathered and began to decree. And I think at the end, I'm not really familiar with the story, but I think at the end, the man had to sacrifice. All altars you must sacrifice. The man had to sacrifice. They say you will sacrifice your child. He agreed. The child went. Early, they do the incantation and cast it into the atmosphere and say, you go, just go and sit down. 
What did they do? To confuse the judge, they casted something and said, the judge must announce you the winner. And on the day, that man from stories, this is a true life story, he went to the courtroom and sat down majestically. This is someone that everybody knew he would lose. But he sat down and was smiling and was chewing gum because he knew what he did and was chewing gum. And when the judge came, stories has it, the judge read something different from entirely from what he was given. And that man was declared the winner. He stood up and laughed. Why? He built an altar in the night. When in First Psalm, First Psalm 17, when David was to consult Goliath, when David was to consult Goliath, he went, the Bible, we don't have time, but you can go and read first the, 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 the sermon is in First Psalm 17. David went there with five stones. Five stones. You and I, if you don't study the Bible, or you and I can look at it as five, the Bible says five smooth stones. There must be a reason why the Bible added the word smooth. And if you study the Bible too well, Goliath had seven, sorry, five, sorry, four brothers in his house from his kingdom or from his lineage, from the fathers, from the mother's womb. They were five. So just, sorry, David, knowing fully well, went there with five altars. Went magically to that place. Goliath had four brothers. They were five. Went and said, I will destroy all of you. Five. This five goes to destroy all of you. And when he went there, please, if you, let's go, let's go. First Samuel, first Samuel 17, verse 43. If you are there, you can help me read. Praise God. I believe and trust God is going to heal us in the house in Jesus' name. Healing will come your way as you live here. Trust God that you begin to build altars of righteousness, altars of faith unto the Lord. Praise God. If you look at 43, 1 Samuel 17, verse 43. 1 Samuel 17, verse 43. This is when Goliath and David met. And Goliath, understanding the principles, he first built an altar. Built an altar with his God. And what did he do? He says, he cursed him. Cursed David first. He says, and the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest with me, to me with staffs? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He first of all built an altar and cursed him. And David, understanding it too, responded, 45. Let's go to 45. 45. And David said unto the Philistine, Thou comest with me with sword and with a spear and with shield, but I come to thee with the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. He built an altar, contrary altar to him. And that is what I said. When power jam power, the lesser must bow. So when the gods of the Philistine met with the gods of David, the lesser bowed. And the God of David overcame. How many of you, when somebody come to you, or that your uncle or your auntie in the house, you visit the village, and the first thing he miss you, built an altar into your life. Says you are caused, you will never prosper, you will never do this. You accept it. Immediately counter with another altar. If I have not done anything to you, I come with the name of the Lord. That thing you are saying goes back to you and your generation. Immediately. Praise God. And one of the things, or five of the things, which I want us to build, even if you don't build anything, any altar in this life, you must try and build this one because of them I will rush. Build an altar of faith. Build an altar of obedience. Build an altar of service. Build an altar of prayer. And build an altar of the Holy Ghost. Build an altar of faith. An altar of faith. Build an altar of faith. As a child of God, please build an altar of faith. Please build an altar of obedience. Please build an altar of service. Please build an altar of prayer. And build an altar of the Holy Ghost. How you would do it, the Holy Spirit will direct you. 
But for you to excel in this life, you must command the spirit. And how do you command the spirit? By building altars. Praise God. The next thing which I want us to look at how we excel is I must watch my habit. For you to excel, watch your habits. Watch your habits. Habits are things that determine so much in our lives. Please, let's go to Acts chapter 14. Sorry, Acts 17 verse 1 and 2. Acts 17, 1 and 2. Acts 17, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, And, and when they had passed, and through Amphipolis and Apunia, and they came to Thessalonica, there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, please note this, as his manner was, went unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And Paul, as his manner was, please let's go to Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Luke 4, verse 14 to 16. Amen. Luke 4, 14 to 16. 14 says, And Jesus returning the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region around about. And he thought in their synagogues and glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. Praise God. That's if you check some scriptures or some vis- or s- some translation says, as his manner was, as his manner was. Some says, as his custom was, as his custom was. But mine, King James says, for Paul, as his manner was. Then for Jesus, as his custom was. Those things, those phrases are used, were used in the Bible to, dis- to define or to illustrate the habit of Jesus and the habit of Paul. Paul and Jesus has, had an habit that they could not refuse. These are things they used to do and they did not even think about doing them. As they used to do it, the Bible described as they used to overly do it, they did it. Paul, as he used to do it, he went into the synagogue and reasoned with them three days. Jesus, as he used to do it, he went into the, the temple and reasoned with them. There are things that define our lives. And the most important of it is our habit. What is an habit? A habit is a regular practice or something you do or something you are used to doing. Before a habit is a habit, it must be regular. Things that you do again and again and again and again. Praise God. For habits to be habits, there must be a regularity in it. You must have done it before and you are doing it again and you are doing it again. But there is one particular definition of habit that I like so much. It says something you keep doing. You try to stop, but you cannot. That is habit. Something you keep doing, you try so much to stop, you can never stop it or you cannot stop it. Not that you don't want to stop it, but you want to stop it, but you cannot stop it. That is habit. We are not born with habits. That is one of the things to reason together. We are not born with habits. Nobody came to this world with a particular habit. No, there are things we learn deliberately or undeliberately, if there is a word like that. That is, there are things that you learn by conscience or you, are, you know that you are learning these things. Or there are things you just get without knowing. And research, psychology says that 90% of what we do are habits, are controlled by our habits. What does it mean? Only see, habits are things that I don't control. For example, if it is my habit to yawn or to maybe my, yes, let me use that. If, if it is my habit to sit down and yawn, 
whether I am anywhere or anywhere, whether I know it or no, don't know it, I will just begin to yawn. If it is my habit to come to church, to this church and pray, whether there is rain of thunder and brimstone, I will come. In habit, you don't think about it. You don't reason about it. You don't calculate it. It just happens because you have been doing it. You are, you are tuned to it. You just do it like that. And psychology says that 90% of our lives are controlled by habits. That is the only thing that controls you. The only part that you have control on is 10%. Invariably, what does it this try to tell us? It tells us that we have only 10% control of our destiny. Yes. 90% of what I do, I do it because I don't have control of it. That means I have control over my destiny. Just 10% of it. Invariably, if I watch my habit, if I watch my habit, the, that thing, will, those my habits will push me to glory, glorious destiny. Will push me to a glorious end. Will push me to excellence. Praise God. There are, there are types of habits. Positive habits and negative habits. What is a negative habit? A negative habit one you find yourself doing even when it diminishes you. These are habits there are two types of habits. The positive one and the negative one. Negative one, these are the habits that you do. You find yourself doing it. These are the things that reduces you. These are the things that depreciates you. These are the things that is killing you, but you are still doing it. Example is excessive smoking. Or smoking. That is why that you see in the packet of cigarettes is written there. Smokers are liable to die young. But somebody knowing very well that that thing is written there, that that thing will kill him, will see call a cigarette and smoke. It is not of him. This is habit. It has taken control of him. He wants to stop it. He knows that this thing will kill him, but he will still do it. Positive habits. Those are the things, those are that we originally eat, but they lead to the fulfillment of our life. It adds to us. Invariably, negative habits subtracts from us. Positive habits adds to us. And in life, you will see that there are people that succeed too much. They put their hand on this one, they succeed. For example, they come to school, they, they, they are they excel in academics. They go into business. They excel in business. They come into this. They excel in that. They come into this. They excel. And in the world, what mostly we say is that these people have luck. My brothers and sisters, if you study them physically, that is not luck. It is routinely good habits. Sometimes, if you check them, most of them don't have the habits because they studied. Those habits came to them without them knowing. Yes. Those habits came to them without them knowing. And when we talk about this, because I was, when I was coming, I just had to Google a bit and check, oh, what are they? I just Google 10 habits or habits of successful people. Because I know that when we talk about habits now, the thing that is coming to your mind will be smoking, drinking, womanizing, and those things. Yes, those are habits, but those are the extreme ones. But they are little habits that define your goals, that define your excellence, that define where you go to, that define where you reach. And if you Google it, it says that one of the, habits, one of the ten habits of successful people is time management. Look at anybody that has succeeded in God. He has an ability to manage time. Another habit is organization. Another habit is that they don't waste. Another habit is that they follow principles. They relax. They relax their mind. How many of us here are here, we don't know how to manage time and you want to excel. You don't know how to organize your life. You want to excel. You don't know when to relax and enjoy God. You want to excel. You don't know when to spend and not to spend. You want to excel. My brother and sisters, things don't happen haphazardly. Things happen by principles. God has built principles and keep. When you follow those principles, excellence comes to you instantaneously. You don't need to struggle. That is why the pagans and the Jupiter, all those people that don't worship God, they excel. Because they follow the principles of God. Praise God. And before, I will just, because of time, I will just take 
two examples of positive habits. Sorry, one, one example each. For positive habits, let's go to Daniel chapter 4 verse 10. Daniel 4 verse 10. If you're there before me, you can help me. Praise God. Daniel 4, verse 10. Daniel 4. Daniel 4, verse 10. Okay, please, let's go to, let's start from 7. At least, let me not read. It is on the projector. We are familiar with this story. Let me just describe so that we move forward. This is a story about Daniel. We, on, we as Bible students, as Christians, we understand Daniel. Daniel was one of the persons that served in, I think he served with about four kings. He served with different kings. And this particular king was the king of the Medes and the Persians. He served with him. And as the duty of king, of saving kings was, he has a lot of other people. And when you save and you excel, Daniel excel in all ways. When you excel, people will jealous you. So if you are here and you excel, know that people will jealous you and they will plot your downfall. It is true. Just know that when you are here and you excel, people will plot your downfall. It is, it is natural. So people plotted Daniel's downfall and said, oh, how are we going to catch this guy? We just want to destroy this. And they went to the king. All some of these kings, or most of these kings are just frivolous. They are afraid. They don't think. They don't reason. The king knew Daniel and liked Daniel. If he had knew that this was against him, he wouldn't have signed it. But he did not know. And the magicians and all these people and all, these, uh, all those people, those psychophants came to him and says, King, ah, this king, you are too wonderful. Let us just this for 30 days. Nobody should call any other God. Or everybody in this land should call your own name. Anybody that wants to make a request should make a request by your own name. If anybody by chance calls any other name, let's cast the person into the, uh, into the den of lions. And for us to make this just 30 days, for us to make this a decree, let's sign it with the law of the miss and the person. If you study the Bible, that law was sealed. If they sign a thing with that law, it can never be revoked. And the king, just stupidly, and that is what I put in your hands this morning. If you are a king, because most of us are kings, if you are a king, please, don't just sign anything. When somebody comes to you, please tell him to go and relax. Let him, you reason. Pray with the word of God. Tell God to open your discernment. Descend. Don't just, because you might sign a thing that will kill you. And the king accepted and said, okay, let's sign this thing. And he signed. He, didn't, he, just, he was just thinking, is it not 30 days? 30 days will come and go. He signed. And verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. Daniel 4 verse 10. Daniel 4 verse 10. He says, Okay. Sorry. It is not Daniel 4 verse 10. Praise God. Okay, but in that scripture, which I wanted to point to us, it says that Daniel knew that this law was signed. Daniel knew that the law was signed and went to his temple and went to his room and climbed upstairs majestically. And when he went, the Bible says as was his custom, he opened the window, knelt down, and prayed three times. Daniel knew that that law, he understood the gravity of that law. 
But because of his habit, his habit could not help. He went to his house. He knew, the Bible even stated it, stated it there, that he knew that this law was signed. He went to the, he went to his upper room, his upper chamber, opened the window, faced Jerusalem, knelt down, and prayed three times. He understood what that was. And because of that, they reported to the king, if you know the, the story, because of that another name, it was reported to the king, and because the law was signed already, Daniel was cast into the dean. But what, if you read that scripture, it says, as his custom was, Daniel could not resist. He has been praying this prayer since when he was small. Since when he was young, he has been kneeling down and praying to God. Just this law cannot stop him from praying to God. So that the story of Daniel preaches to us about three things. One of the things it preaches to us is that an habit can never hide. When you have a habit, that habit cannot hide. There is no way you can hide it. People will know. If your habit is smoking, you, you can never hide that you are a smoker. If your habit is fornicating, you can never hide it. It will come. People will see it. And people might use that habit to destroy you. But if it is a good habit, like it led Daniel to the den, it will also lead you out of the den. Praise God. The next thing is that when you have challenges in life. You respond by habit. Yes. When challenge comes your way, you don't respond by intelligence. You respond by your habit. Yes. If your habit is someone that lies in the altar of God and prays, if your habit is someone that opens an altar for God and prays to God, when temptation comes your way, one of the things that you will do, one of the things that you will do is respond by prayer. Because that is your habit. If your habit is drinking, drinking and drinking. When challenges come your way, your, your, how you will respond is going to go and take alcohol because that is your habit. You respond by your habit. And the last thing, habits determine your destination in life. Habit for Daniel, it determines his destination. Where was his destination? The dean of life. But that same habit, if it took you to the, if it takes you to the bad place, will take you out. For Daniel, it took him to the dean of lions. But that same habit took him out of the dean of lions. Because his habit was saving God. The service to God kept him there safe and took him out. Some of you, or some of us, some, of, some people are honest. You have a habit of honesty. Some people have a habit of being religious. Sorry, coming to church. People will mock and scorn you and say all manner of things. That this is your habit. It, ah, whatever. You are not going to go anywhere. It's, they can even formulate things and say, ah, we know that he's going to come back from prayer meeting by 7 p.m. They wait for you to harm you. Don't worry, my brother, my sister. That same habit that will take you to that harm will take you out. Praise God. Praise God. Let's look at a negative habit. Judges 16, verse Judges 16. Amen. I know someone is healed in the house in Jesus' name. Please, if you're there, you can help me read. Judges chapter 16, verse 6. Please. If you're fast, please help me read. Continue, continue. Continue.
Go to 21. Go to 21. Go to 21. Or 20 and 21. 20 and 21. Amen. Thank you very much. We, we know this story. We know this scripture about Samson. Samson was one of God that God called. And God was with him mightily. But he had a bad habit. A bad habit of giving in for women. Samson had that bad habit of giving in for women. And that is what led to his ruin. Yes. If you study that scripture because of them, let's... If you study that scripture well, Samson went to meet Delilah. And the first time... Delilah asked him, oh, ah, where is your, this your power? Where does this your power lie? Lies? And Samson lied. Yes, Samson lied. And when he lied, Delilah brought people to come and take Samson. And Samson rose up and destroyed the people. As a normal man, thinking with his medulla oblongata, thinking with his head straight, what he should have done was that, ah, this woman wants to kill me. Woman, please, let us separate. Go your way, I go my way. He could not. A challenge came. He responded by his habit and said, Oh, Lilala, let's continue. Praise God. He continued again. Lilala did the same thing. And he lied again. And Lilala brought people to his house and, and they wanted to kill him. And again, second time, they would, there's this prophet that says, Once beaten, twice shy. This one, twice beaten. I don't know what happens. Instead of saying, Lilala, please go your way. He did not say, He said, Oh, Lilala, let's continue. Praise God. It is, it is the same story to us, especially with men. You have, if you are here and your habit is giving in for women, God will help you. Because if you study the great men of, a great men of God or great men, one of the things that destroyed them was women. Those people, their ministry, I don't understand. Their ministry is bad, it's wonderful, wonderfully good. They can exalt and they can decrease. So if you are here and you have it, please, I want to beg you, leave it. But with Samson, the third time he came, he could not. And they even told him, if you study the, the, the book of, you studied Samson's life, from beginning of his life, he was giving it to women. He went into with harlots. He went into this. He did different, different kinds of things. His, his, his habit was women. And it took him to ruin. When challenge came in his life, he responded by the habit. See how Holding for the woman. What am I saying? For you to excel, you have to watch your habits. What if God is ministering to you now? I know it and I'm convinced. God is ministering to you now that there's this particular habit in your life you need to reduce. This particular habit in your life you need to cope. This particular life habit in your person, in your own body, you need to destroy. If that is happening, when you leave this place, go and raise an altar for that habit. And like I said before about altars, when you raise altars, you must sacrifice. When you raise altars, you must come back to it and make declarations. Don't raise an altar and say, oh, this is an altar. This, uh, let me give us an, another example about the altars. My pastor, my pastor in uh, worship with Redeemed Christian Church of God, there was this instant, this is a true life story again. They wanted to go for their village. The, his, his father died. In these people that, they were, they were brought up in Lagos and they didn't used to go to the village. I'm here. And so they didn't know anything about the village. His father died and they wanted to go, they had to go and bury the father in the village. All of them came down. 
and the uncles from him, the uncles were too tedious. The uncles wanted to bring hell upon them. You people have to do a lot of things. You have to pay this and pay this and pay this. And unfortunately, at that time, they didn't have too much money. They tried and tried and tried. On this particular day, this was the final day they had to go. And what did they do? They, before they went, the elder brother, which is also a pastor, called all of them, about four of them, and said, in this place, in their living room, where the, where the, 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 the father built, and said, in the living room, he, he said, in this place, I want to raise an altar to this place. When we come back, when we do this thing, and we come back, Emma, please, you have to come and water this, as in, Emma is my pastor, you have to come back and water this altar. And what did he do? He poured anointing all day and raised and, and said, Father, this is your altar. We stand on this altar and we decree. As we are, he make declaration. That's what I wanted to say. As we are going for everything will be very smooth. He, they talked and talked and talked. And he says, Emma, when we come back, you have to come and water this altar. But what you have to come back here and thank God. Come and stay in this same spot and begin to thank God. That is just watering. So they went. As the story went, they went and they did everything. It, he said he, he didn't understand it happened. The uncles were so cooperating or cooperative. Everything went very smooth. At the end of the day, they succeeded. And the brothers went back to Lagos. He had to come back to that same spot. And thank God. Raising altars. And again, in the place of altars, if you don't know, evidences are kept at altars. Evidences are kept at altars. That is why in the people in the witchcraft world, if you give them, for example, if the witchcraft, if somebody is, a, your uncle is a witchcraft, if he wants to come to you to destroy you, the first thing he has to do is collect an evidence from you and take it to their altar. What is an, what, what's an evidence? He can get your money, he can get anything. He must have something from you. That something might even be your service to him. He will take that, that evidence to their altar and keep it there. They say, tender it. Another story came. Please, let me just share this with us. Another story came that a, a, a man of God testified and said that his mother was, he didn't know that the mother was hunting him down. And what happened was that this particular day, he had made money. And as all rules of people that good children are, when they make money, the first thing they do, they buy a rapper to the mother to go and celebrate the mother. And he went and bought a rapper, a good rapper, wonderful one, and took it to the mother. And when he arrived and gave it to the mother, the mother took that rapper, that same rapper, and took it to the coven. And he said in the coven, oh, this is, this is my son. Look at him. He, he just he feels he, he can excel. He just brought me this rapper. And from stories, I wouldn't know, the story says, the, 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 the leader of the coven said, collect that and tender it as exhibit A against the man. Please, it is, the, it, you have to understand spirituality. In the places, in this place, if this is your altar, there must be evidence. What is the evidence that you have kept here? Your evidence can be service. When challenges come, you call on that evidence and say, Oh, Father, remember I have done this. It will speak for you. Your evidence in this place might be sowing of money. When challenges come, you say, Father, remember that money. It will speak for you. Every altar must have evidence. If there is a habit in your you want to cope, when you go back to the race and halter, Raise an altar against that habit. Service it and you see what God will do in your life. When you take anything upon an altar, God sanctifies it. When you put anything upon an altar, if I put an habit upon an altar, an altar God will say, ah, this is this habit. I Don't worry, Mr. Michael, get away. This is my own now. That is what God does. If you bring your academics upon an altar, God will say, ah, you have brought this, ah, this academics. Mr. Michael, Shift away. Oh, a number shift away. This is my own now. You bring your family upon an altar. Please, people of God, when you create an altar, remember that there must be sacrifice. You must water it. Don't keep an altar and go back and sleep. 
Don't create an altar. And if the altar is, I want to create an altar for my academics. You speak to the Lord and say, this is this altar of chapel of redemption must speak for my academics. The sacrifice is that I must come here and worship God every Sunday until I go. Devil has head. Oh. He will tempt you. There won't be a day that rain of thunder and brimstone will fall. You said it. You must keep it. You can say that, ah, for this altar, what I am sowing, my sacrifice is that I will pay 50 naira as my additional uh, offering every Sunday. Devil has heard it. Oh. There will be two weeks that you will not have Shingbai. Nothing will come. You must borrow and save the altar. Praise God. The last thing which I want to talk to us before we pray, the last thing, for me to excel, I must give. For me to excel, I must give. Praise God. Proverbs 18, verse 16. Proverbs 18, verse 16. Mira, help me. Proverbs 18, verse 16. It says, The gift of a man maketh way for him. First, second Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, He that soweth sparingly will reap sparingly. Praise God. But I want us to see. We all know about giving. Giving is giving. Okay? The man's gift maketh room for him and bring him, bringeth him before great men. What goes out of your hand will make room for you. It is true. Let me give you an example. This, this man of God, my father in the Lord, he understood that place. So he had a mentor. All of them bowed down to one pastor. He says whenever they want to go and visit that mentor, three of them pastors will go to visit him. But this is what he usually do. When he's going, he will wrap some good money in an envelope and carry it. When the two others will go and just bow down and say, ah, daddy, we bless you. Thank you. We, him, after he has done that, will take out the money and give to the man. He said he noticed one thing. It is true. He noticed one thing. When they, after they have done that, the man usually prayed for them before they departed. All of them, three of them will kneel down. But he noticed one thing. That when the man was praying, he would do this. Father, this is... This is, okay, let me, this is the man that sold the money. He will do, Father, bless this, my son. He shall be well with this one. Father, for this one, his life shall not, he, he will continue and continue and continue and come back. Father, bless this. It is not him. No. He didn't do it intentionally. Scripture must be fulfilled. The gift of a man, whether you like it or yes, this is your sister here. This is your brother. You want to go into his heart. Start giving him something. It might be tiny, but just that. Today, ah, bro, I don't have anything. Let me give you this 10 naira. Watch out. The next thing, ah, you come again. I don't have anything. Let me just give you this 5 naira. Tiny, tiny things. There will be a day that man will sit you down and tell you things you never imagined. Things that will open your scope. The gift of a man makes room. It is scripture. Must be, but there is this particular giving. I like telling people when I counsel. This particular giving. Let's go to Psalm 41, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 41. Psalm 41, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 41. If you are there, you can help me. Psalm 41, 1 to 3. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou shalt deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Praise God. Praise God. The giving I am talking about this morning is not just giving. You can add, give 
to the poor. Giving to the poor. That is what I'm talking about. Whether you like it or yes, there are poor people around us. The Bible even says that the poor people will continue to, excel, to exist in us. I think one of the reasons is for the fulfillment of scripture. Scripture must be fulfilled. The word of God cannot come and go back void. He has sent the word. It must fulfill. So one of the reasons I think is and God says, blessed are those that give to the poor. Please, let me, let's just take the Bible portion so that I can explain. Proverbs 14, Proverbs 14 verse 31. Proverbs 14, 31. Praise God. If you are blessed in the house today, please can you make some noise for Jesus? Just make some noise for Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is well with your soul in Jesus' name. He said, Blessed is he that considered the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Praise God. Please, Proverbs 21, verse 18. Let's go there. Proverbs 21, verse 18. Help me. Proverbs 21, verse 18. Proverbs 21, verse 18. Whosoever stopped his ear at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself and shall not be heard. Let's go to Proverbs 28, 27. Proverbs 28, verse 27. This is the most damning. This one is the most damning. Proverbs 28, verse 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a cause. Bible is saying, if you give to the poor, you will never lack. But if you reject from giving to the poor, you are cursed. True. Not just, I'm not talking about not just, just giving. There are people giving. When you give, some of us do giving as investment. I don't talk about investments. What do I mean by investment? You see that this brother can help your ministry. And you look at him very well. And you begin to give him. So that you reap it in future. That is investment. That is not giving. But there's a particular giving, which is to the poor. You, these people don't have any means of blessing your life. They don't, there are people that, no, even you give them 30 years from now, they will not be of importance to you. <laughs> it's true. Yes. A particular student came to me. I counsel students sometimes when they have problems. This particular student was failing. I share this a lot. This particular one. He was failing and failing. He was in my department. I don't want to mention the names, but he's now in another department. He was failing and he was placed on probation. He was failing seriously. And I begin to question him. If you come, I will just... We don't do, this is not magic now. We will have to question you and see what is happening. When I question him and question him, he was doing everything. He was saving God faithfully. He was doing many things. But I noticed in his life, I think this man was not giving. His hand was tight. I'm not saying... I'm, there's a difference between you distrib- as in being... One of the principal habits of successful people is they are frugal. They don't throw away. I don't mean throwing away. I mean giving. This boy was not giving. So I told him, how much do you have in your account? As at that time, I think he had 2,000 naira in his account. Truth. And I told him, as you are going today, just go back home. Sing praises to God. Worship God. Be happy. Then go to your account. Withdraw everything. Speak into that money. The money you have is whatever you want. Speak into that money. Then, before you do this, locate a poor widow in your neighborhood. They exist everywhere. Locate a very poor widow in your neighborhood that doesn't have anything. Or even if it's not a widow, someone or a, an orphan doesn't have anything. Locate him. This is the person I'm going to sue this money in. Locate that person. Then you go into your house. If you want to do, I told him like that. If you want to do three days as the Spirit leads, because I believe the Holy Spirit will leave you. 
As if, if you want to do three days fasting, but don't sow that money if you don't speak into that money. Speak into that money if you want to fast three days fast. Then when you finish, take that money. Go to that person. Don't say anything. Just say, ah, have you just exchange greetings and say, ah, have you eaten today? Ah, no, no, you have not. Oh, God bless you. I just want to bless your life. Just want to be a blessing in your life today. Give that money and go away. Don't say anything. When you go back home, just rejoice. Forget about the rest. God will fight it. The Bible says it. If you give to the, it is in the Bible. Just study. Give to the widows and the orphans. Their cry, their cry alone will open doors for you. There are Bible principles that we must adopt. And I told him, I think he did it. Because now he's in another department. And each time I see him, I ask him, how is your CGPA doing? He will smile and tell me he's doing well. It might not be too well, but he's doing well. He has moved. What am I saying? You need to start giving to the poor. There are poor people in your reality. I don't say invest. Don't go and look for a brother or sister that is already having money and take and go and give to him. There are people, even in students among us here, there are students sitting down here that have not eaten for three days. There was a time I was in school. It happened to me. So it's not a new thing. I sat down like this. I did not know how the next food was. The day, the day, the way I received that food from my neighbor, the way I ate it, rice, I still remember when I was in Accra, when I was doing my master's. The way, the way I ate the rice and stew, I finished a big plate in, in a few minutes. I got, it is normal. So when you are, it is a stage pass through. The Bible calls it wilderness experience. You must pass through it. If you are not passing through it now, don't you come in the future. It is better for you to pass through it now. It doesn't come in the future. Yes, sir. You must, I say it again, you must pass through it. It is better you pass through it now than the future. So you must, if, if you stay like this and three days or four days you have not seen food, don't begin to question God. Say, God, why me now? Is that my neighbor? That my neighbor is eating rice and see why me? I don't even have oil to boil. No, 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 no. Praise God. Because when it is going to come, that your neighbor too will envy you. Amen. So what I'm saying in essence, there are students around here that have not eaten. Locate that person. Forget about the clothes. Even me that I'm wearing this clothes like this, I don't even have eaten since yesterday. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, sir. Locate that person. If you have, I usually pray this prayer. I want you to continue to pray. Spirit of discernment. Tell God to give you the spirit of discernment. If there's a way I can look at you and I don't know it, God does it. I'm beginning to see things in you. Yes. If you have the spirit of discernment, without you looking at this, you know this one I've not eaten for five days. You call that one and say, I just want to be a blessing in your life. Take. You can give someone 500 naira. That 500 naira becomes 5 million. That person will never forget you in his entire life. Every time he kneels down to pray, he say, Father, for that person, he can he don't even remember. He say, for that person that gave me 500 naira, he will describe the location, describe everything. Father, don't cease to bless him. The purple must be fulfilled. He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. If you give to the poor, if you not only money, you can give your time. You see a poor student, call him and teach him. If you teach that poor student, the Bible is fulfilled. You will not lack knowledge. It's positive. That is why this is our ministry teaching is a very one. Because with these people, we are giving to the poor. <laughs> Praise God. We will never lack knowledge. When I come to your class, I enjoy it. I come to your class and start and begin to teach. I know that I will never lack knowledge according to the scriptures. Praise God. What am I saying today? I'm saying today that this is the year we must excel. This is a year we must be revived. The Bible, that portion says that he, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, will flourish in his court. Those that have chosen God 
and have taken God as their soul will be watered. They will excel. They will excel in the whole world. The whole world will know your name. But you cannot do this if you don't obey some principles. The first principle is choose God. The next principle is build an altar for God. Build different altars. Don't build one. Don't build two. Don't build three. Abraham built four. Ba ba Balaam for Balak built seven. You can build as many as you have. Each area of your life, there should be an altar. For example, we have seven areas of our lives. Social, physical, spiritual, mental. All those should have altars. Build altars for things and you will see your excellence begin to manifest. The next thing, watch your habits. Watch the things that you give into because these are things that will tailor your excellence. And the last, give to the poor that the gospel might be fulfilled. It is well. It is well. It is well in the name of Jesus. It is well with my soul today. It doesn't matter what I see. It is well. Amen. It is well. Amen. It is well in the name of Jesus. It is well with my soul today. Please, let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. We want to pray simple prayers. Amen. It is well. It is well in the name of Jesus. It is well. Amen. With our souls today. Amen. That song says it is well. And I trust the Lord and I declare and declare and I believe that it is well with you. But we want to pray some simple prayers before we sit down. The word of the Lord has come to you this morning that for me to excel, I have to choose God. We want to open our mouths and say, Father, thank you for this word. I want to worship you for sending your word to heal me. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Please don't be like that Christian that cannot open his mouth to pray. Just open your mouth and say to God, say, Father, thank you for opening your, bringing your word my way this way. Thank you because this word is going to heal me. This word is going to deliver me. This word is going to restore me. This word is going to make me manifest your glory. This word is going to make me flourish. This word is going to make me excel. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Open your mouth and pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. One of the things that can stop us from not even hearing this word, this word manifesting is our sins. All have seen and come short of the glory of God. He says, if you call upon me and I will open, I'll, I'll, I'll be there with you, I'll open my doors and I'll answer you. Your sins may be as scarlet, make it to be white as snow. We want to open our mouth. You know what is bothering you. Even if you have not, you don't know. The word says that you have sinned. Your righteousness is as a filthy rock before his presence. I want you to open your mouth in a few minutes and pray God, wherever I have come wrong, please have mercy. Wherever my generations have come wrong, please Sometimes it is not you, it is your generation. Your forefathers and your ancestors have sinned before God and those things are worrying you. Open your mouth this morning and say, Father, wherever they did against you, please, Lord, have mercy. Let there be mercy at the place of wrath for me. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Open your mouth and begin to pray. What we see, oh, it is well, amen. It is well, amen. It is well in the name of Jesus. It is well with our souls today, amen. 
In Jesus' name we pray. The word has come that you have to choose God. We want to open our mouth again and say, Father, please, Lord, give me the grace to choose you. It is not of him that will it, but of God that showeth mercy. Sometimes you might want to choose God, but there is that habit in you that will say you can never choose God. It will begin to take you away from God. Let's open our mouth and say, Father, please grant me the grace to choose you. In my sleep, let me choose you. In my consciousness, let me choose you. In my subconsciousness, let me choose you. In the way I eat, let me choose you. In the way I sleep, let me choose you. In the way I speak with people, in the way I dress, in the way I talk, let me choose you. Open your mouth and choose God. Open your mouth and choose God. Open your mouth and choose God. He said, as you speak into my ear, so will I do unto you. As you speak into my ear, so will I do unto you. Open your mouth and speak into his ears. Numbers 28, he says, as you speak into my ear, so will I do unto you. Please open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Amen. It is well, it is well, it is well in the name of Jesus, it is well with my soul today. There's one prayer point I want us to pray before I conclude. In altars, evidences are kept. I don't know the altar of your family. I don't know the altar that your ancestors are done or prepared. All your enemies have prepared. But we want to stand in the name of Jesus and say, Father, Lord, in every, on all altars, demonic altars, wherever the evidence, my evidences are kept, please, Father, let fire go out of you and burn away all evidences against me. Let fire go out of you and burn away all evidences kept in all demonic altars against my life. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Let fire go out of the Lord and cap and consume all evidences. All evidences in every demonic altar against your life. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. It is well. It is well. In the name of Jesus. It is well. With my soul today. If you are saying that prayer, please make it. Open your mouth and speak to God. It is well. He says, whatsoever thing you say to my hearing.